Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. Hello. I might be the reason that all the rum is gone. <laughs> it is a vile drink. <laughs> That's quite appropriate since we're doing a space pirate book. I thought it was. Today we'll be discussing The Corsair's Captive by Ruby Dixon. After being taken from Earth and treated like livestock, Fran finds herself being led around like a pet by an alien. Meanwhile, Kivian was planning to gamble for some fuel crystals, but revised those plans when he saw the pretty human getting her chain yanked. Now he intends to liberate Fran's captor of everything, woman included. Kivian wants Fran to know she will be safe with him, but can she trust him? There will be spoilers beyond this point, and we have a content warning for human trafficking and slavery. I don't know why I want to laugh because that's not funny. <laughs> Is it because I didn't say yay? Maybe. I don't know. Do you feel like I left you hanging there? I felt compelled to laugh <laughs> and I'm just like, this is not funny. What is wrong with you, you weirdo? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so rather than my awkwardness, let's talk about Fran's awkward position in life. <laughs> yeah, so... Fran woke up not in her bedroom, cozy in her bed, instead on an alien spaceship <laughs> where she was poked and prodded, given an uncomfortable translator installed in her ear, and then put into a cage and basically treated like an animal for sale. Rude. I would say by like a disreputable seller, honestly. I wouldn't buy a pet from someone who kept their animals like they were keeping Fran. Yeah. I mean. (laughs) No. Let alone keeping a person. Poor caged critters. Regardless, she gets purchased by a froggy looking alien called an Uli, who proceeds to dress her in a Princess Leia-esque sort of attire. (laughs) The sexy Princess Leia-esque sort of attire. And lead her around on a leash attached to a collar around her neck. It's gross. Fran is, I would say, dissociating, kind of. She's got this other person in her head that she's calling Duh Fran. (laughs) 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 But she is kind of unsure. She thinks thinks she's going to be a pet but she's worried it's gonna be a sex thing instead and she's hoping she's not food so she's still kind of you know her life is in flux (laughs) she doesn't know what to hope for (laughs) so many options so many unappealing (laughs) they all suck duh fran (laughs) on the other hand there's kivian he is an alien. He is a, I don't know how we're supposed to pronounce it, but I'm going to say Masaka. Sure. Masaka. Masaka. (laughs) (laughs) But if you have read any of Ruby Dixon's books before, you will be very familiar with this alien species. They are quite prevalent in her stories. Kivian is a space pirate He runs a small ship with four crew, including him. He is the captain, and he is planning to meet with this Uli to procure some special crystals. And he has just been told that actually he needs to get double the amount that he originally was supposed to get. And so he's a little worried about that. Kivian kind of has this game that he likes to play with his targets, (laughs) where he dresses up real fancy and he acts kind of foppish he's a prissy pirate (laughs) yes he he adopts an attitude or a personality yes yes he has his his persona it's based on his personality because he is kind of like a fun fun loving happy-go-lucky sort of dude i would say yeah he's not the grumpy sort grumpy pants he is not this is not a grumpy pants story his pants have flair (laughs) they do he has plans to play a gambling game called sticks and basically hustle the guy out of all his crystals well all his credits then all his crystals 
and then steal everything else that he can get and fuck off so he can go give it to the people that are buying it from him or sell it to the people who are buying it from him, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of the meat cute, I would say. So Fran is being led into this kind of like an alien bar by her froggy, froggy friend. Her froggy owner. (laughs) Yes, her froggy owner. And Kivian sees her all of a sudden. He's like, oh, well, this isn't good. I'm going to have to rescue this human. In this universe, humans are considered to be from a primitive planet and are trafficked for, I would say, multiple reasons. Slavery, um, sex toys, pets, that kind of thing. And so Kivian is aware of what humans are and in fact his brother recently mated to a human he's kind of like that's weird i don't know why he would be mated to a human but then he sees this human (laughs) aka fran and he's like well this human's much more interesting than my brother's human (laughs) i I get the appeal now (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, you've sold me. All right. (laughs) (laughs) No, the problem is she was sold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But his alien race also tends to be kind of possessive and they'll recognize their mates on sight, you know, or at least the males will. They'll be like, oh, that one's mine. I like that one. And then they will relentlessly pursue until they woo the female of their choice into being their mate. And he kind of wants that with Fran, like pretty much immediately. Although he realizes he's going to have to play this really carefully because she's currently this Uli's slave. So he's hustling the Uli at sticks. He gets him to the point where he runs out of money. This is the point in his plan that he was supposed to ask the Uli to bet his crystals. But instead, he asks the Uli to bet the human. And the Uli's like, oh, sure, you can have her in your bed if you win. The Uli is pretty sure he's not going to lose because he's stupid. (laughs) He's falling for it. He took the bait. Yeah. (laughs) But Kivian wins. He's like, okay, well, I'll be taking your human now. (laughs) And the Uli says, oh, well, actually, no, I meant just for that night. Like just one experience with this human, not like forever. You don't get to keep her. And Kivian is like, oh, it seemed clear to me based on the way the Uli expressed what he was betting. (laughs) But I don't know. I think maybe Kivian was purposely misunderstanding. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) He's like, well, I will take her now. Goodbye. (sighs) And the Uli's like, no, you can't have her on the ship. You have to have her in my room. I don't trust you. And I'm going to watch. I don't trust you alone with her. So Kivian is like, oh, man, this is getting like harder and harder to deal with. Because his plan was to like, take the human with him and then set her free. <laughs> and this Uli is kind of cramping his style. So he scoops Fran up, is carrying her, I think like a fireman's carry um, over his shoulder. She's like freaking the fuck out because who wouldn't be in this situation? She doesn't know what's going on in Kivian's head. She can hear and understand what everyone's saying because of the translator in her ear. But as far as she knows, she just got bet for a night with this other alien yippee (laughs) she was sold quote-unquote again (laughs) yay impending rape (laughs) i guess we should have trigger warned for rape oh yeah there is no rape no fyi but you know she's she's worried about it yes i don't blame her so Mm -mm. kivian is playing it up and he like pats her on the butt and stuff and it's just kind of like ew (laughs) They're like walking through the space station to the Uli's room and some other alien they pass by starts groping at Fran. Kivian is like, did you just touch my human? Excuse you. (laughs) He's intimidating this other alien. And so Fran is like, well, that's good at least. I mean, I guess it's better to be groped by one alien than by multiple aliens. Especially if you're not into Uh, it. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) (laughs) silver lining (laughs) they get to the uli's room fran is like i said worried she's gonna get raped 
Kivian throws her on the bed and he's telling the Uli, you know, little Kivian doesn't like an audience. Are you sure you have to be here? And the Uli's like, yeah, we're all going to watch because he's got his guards with him. Oh, good. Kivian tells Fran to stall and then he starts acting like he's gonna proceed but he goes very slowly he asks for a cloth to clean her up and he's like touching her legs and stuff like that but he's i would say under the circumstances being very gallant yes yeah there you go chivalrous gentlemanly yeah he's not pushing it beyond what he he thinks is necessary to sell it to the uli yeah because he's stalling right Yes. And Fran is starting to wonder what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Fair enough. Still. <laughs> it turns out Kivian was stalling because while he was doing his song and dance, the rest of his crew was stealing all the crystal, <laughs> getting everything ready to go, and then coming to help him leave. I mean, he can't be surprised about the ceiling because, you know, pirate. And I mean, I don't really feel bad for the Uli because, I mean, if you're going to purchase a slave, then you kind of deserve what you get, honestly. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) And truthfully, he got better than maybe he deserved because when the crew shows up, Kivian points a, I think they call it a blaster in this book, but he points his weapon at the Uli and is like, okay, well, you gotta let her go. I'm taking her with me. He gets the guards to cuff themselves and everything because they're hired. They don't care. They're not invested. No. (laughs) He leaves them there alive. And then he and the crew go to leave. He takes Fran's collar off. He says, okay, well, do you want to come with us or do you want to stay here? (laughs) I think they did knock the other aliens out. I got the impression they were unconscious. Fran is like, well, what do you mean? And Kivian's like, well, if you want to stay here, we'll try to help you get set up or whatever. If you want to come with us, we'll keep you safe. You're free, though. Decide what you want to do. Unfortunately, I can't take you back to Earth. It's illegal to go there. I can't attract that much heat. She decides that she's going to go with Kivian and his guys. I liked that she gets a choice right away. It doesn't seem like it's that good of a choice. You could stay here with the froggy aliens, or you could stay on the space station where you know nothing. (laughs) Or you could go with these four giant blue horned aliens that you also don't know, but seem nice. (laughs) It's up to you, Fran. But it's what he's able to give her. This is such a trope in sci-fi romance too you know the human trafficked woman and she gets rescued or whatever like that happens so often and i don't mind it i think a lot of authors do different things with it and i think it's fun a lot of them don't give their female character a choice right away like this Mm -hmm. though and so i really did appreciate this aspect of the story for sure that she did have some sort of choice and agency even though it was just you know you could have shitty choice a or shitty choice b (laughs) which one yeah She decides she's going to go with Kivian and his crew. She tells them that her name is Fran. (laughs) I didn't mention this earlier, but when she was being made to sit at the Uli's feet, the Uli asked her what her name was, and she said Fido. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And then um, the alien tells Kivian that that's her name, that her name is Fido. (laughs) And then Kivian goes, oh, really? Is that your name? And Fran goes, no, fuck you. And so Kivian's like, oh, your name is fuck you? (laughs) So it's like this little joke. Then she ends up telling them her name, which is, I think, the beginning of her deciding to trust them. Yeah, I agree. They get on Kivian's ship, which I think is called the Dancing Fool. Again, it's part of his whole pirate persona. Well, and his idiot persona. It's playing up the, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, he's just fucking around. They uh, surge for a while on Kivian's ship to get kind of far away. And they are planning to hide in an asteroid belt until some of the heat wears off from the theft before they move on and complete their transaction with these crystals that they're playing. And Kivian tells Fran, 
hey, let me give you some food. By the way, you're going to be sharing my quarters because it's tight in here, but don't worry. I won't touch you without your permission. Fran is in a weird place, I think, mentally. So far, everyone's treating her fine. The other crew seem a little off-put that she's there. Having a human is a big deal. And Kivian isn't really making it a secret that he feels flirty about her. And I think even at this point, he tells the crew that she's his. But then he backtracks and he's all, oh, but yeah, no, you're your own person. You're free. I'm not going to do anything you don't like. I'm not going to touch you if you don't want me to. But unfortunately, you do have to bunk in my room. I think that there's a line that gets played with in this story between how overtly flirty he is with her versus how safe he makes her feel, especially at this point in the story. I think he's very aware of the power imbalance and he wants her to recognize that he sees her as a full-fledged person. She's her own person. She belongs to herself. But at the same time, he does have that possessive instinct, the whole mine sort of thing, which he's trying to override, I think, to an extent. He plans to woo her, but he's waiting for her to feel safe. But I don't know, like, what did you think about that line and how he he deals with that? Because I think there's a lot of um, tension initially for Fran. Yeah, I think he navigates it well. She does end up relaxing, but there are some places where he is a bit of the brute, but that's also when they're not communicating as well. So once they start communicating, I think it goes easier for them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I know she was really kind of confused when in one breath he's telling the crew, oh, she's my human. In in a sense, like laying claim, like leave her alone. She's mine. Yeah, But also... In the next breath, he's saying, no, no, you're free to go. Do whatever you want. I think the thing that pinged my radar a little bit was the whole, I'm going to make her sleep in my room. Hmm. Because while he was telling her the truth, you know, we do only have quarters for four people. Mine is the biggest, so you're going to room with me. He also has ulterior motives for that. He doesn't intend to press his suit necessarily but he does want to be in close quarters with her yeah it does seem a little bit deceptive again this is like the trope this is the only one bed forced proximity all that and i like those things i appreciate what what is happening but as far as his awareness of her his awareness and interaction with the power imbalance and helping to mitigate that i think is maybe lost a bit in that particular aspect yeah oh uh while they're eating i think he notices that she has the shitty version of a translator and says he's gonna get her a better one but meanwhile they can remove that translator and then he and his crew can all quote download her language so they can still communicate with her and he promises that they'll all talk they'll they'll all talk human so they won't talk over her that was another thing. I think I would be scared, like in that in yeah. fan situation. I think I'd rather just be uncomfortable until they procured the new translator. Yeah, I, I don't think the the bed thing bothered me <laughs> as much as the translator thing, actually, because I remember that bothering me. Yeah, and they they gloss over that real quick, too. It's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. We won't talk over you. We all speak human now. It's okay. Yeah, I'd be like, no, I'm going to keep it. Thank you. But what if something happened and she's stuck on her own again? Not to mention, I mean, she does just barely know who they are. So she wants to trust them. But I I would want the the comfort of knowing that I will be able to understand them, even if that came along with a bit of discomfort. I'm a tough cookie. I can take it. (laughs) Yeah, I'd rather suffer with the uncomfortable translator for a while instead, honestly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that totally pinged me way more than the other thing. That, he doesn't even, like, his whole motivation for that is just like, oh, yeah, this is hurting you. I don't want you to feel Yeah, but you don't get to make those choices. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does he even ask her or does he just tell her they're going to do it? I don't remember. I don't remember him really asking, which is another thing that, that's what I mean. Like, that thing way more upset <laughs> me than the bed thing. 
Especially since he was, for the most part, being very respectful. That's true. Even though they were sharing the bed. Whereas, like, this, like, oh, you're in pain. Let me magically take that away from you. It's like, no, no, I like my pain. Fuck off. (laughs) I worked on this pain. I enjoy this pain. You can just leave it alone. Thank you. I've cultivated this pain over years. Well, she's had time to get used to it, so. <laughs> it's just, just because someone is in physical discomfort doesn't mean that they are suffering. Those are very different things. Right. And there's also, like, is it worth it? Like, is the pain relief worth it? And I think in that no. case, it's not. I kind of, honestly, I think if this were a longer book, it would have been interesting for there to be some fallout yeah. from that choice. Oh, shit. She doesn't understand stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Something happened where that's bad. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but nothing happens from this choice. It is rather glossed over. It's kind of funny. So a couple days pass and Fran is starting to get comfortable with the crew and more comfortable with Kivian. She's put up a pillow wall on the bed. So when they sleep (laughs) at night, (laughs) they're separated. Barriers. (laughs) Kivian is perpetually horny and possessive and trying to hide it and doing his best to act like he's unaffected by Fran but meanwhile super into the fact that oh she's wearing my shirts like dresses and sleeping in my bed and all that and it finally gets to the point where Fran is comfortable enough with the situation to start being bored and it's at this point that Kivian starts showing her how to play sticks They settle into this routine where, you know, they wake up and they do a lot of sticks playing. Fran's made dresses out of some of his shirts. Fran is starting to lust after Kivian too. I think that shows how comfortable she's feeling. She thinks he's attractive. She appreciates everything he's done for her. And she enjoys hanging out with him. But she doesn't know what to think because even though... He's kind of flirty with her. He's also kind of... I think she feels he's kind of put her in the friend zone, too. He treats her like a guest or like a little sister or something like that. And I think she's just, oh, is that what we are? And she's not really sure what to think. And she's... I don't think she's even sure how to feel about the fact that she's into him either. I think she's not sure what to do with that. It seemed like she was questioning, like, her attraction And if it was okay to be attracted, considering it's like, and she's trapped on a ship and she's sleeping in his bed and she, you know, is this Stockholm syndrome? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like she, she feels comfortable with them and she doesn't necessarily want to go back to Earth. She likes the idea of being a space pirate, I think. Who wouldn't? But, (laughs) but she doesn't know how secure her position is on this ship. Am I annoying them? Am I, like, am I using their resources? Are they going to resent me? Are they going to get rid of me? Like, how permanent can this situation even be? And also, like, how much can she actually depend on them? Because she's in a place where she has to depend on them for literally everything. Meanwhile, more days are passing. More sexual tension is ramping up. I think three weeks have passed at this point. And so Fran is roaming around the ship and she goes and talks with one of the other crew members, Tarek, and has a conversation with him about Stockholm Syndrome. Tarek recognizes the whole power imbalance issue that Fran is feeling. And he says that he doesn't think that it necessarily is Stockholm Syndrome, like the attraction she's feeling, because she feels safe around Kivian. She feels like she could say no and still be herself. He asks her some questions like, what would you do if he did this? And Fran's like, well, I would say fuck (laughs) off, you know? And Tarek's like, see, so you feel like safe. But then Fran points out that she feels like it's wrong for her to have a crush on Kivian because she feels dependent on him for her safety, which is the big issue. And Tarek agrees that that is a big power imbalance and she should talk to Kivian about it. So it's getting touched on. Kivian is struggling too because he doesn't know what to do with her. Like he wants to keep her. He wants to be with her. He wants to be mated with her. You know, married. Alien married. (laughs) (laughs) 
he wants them to have a permanent romantic relationship. But he's also starting to realize that it's going to be difficult. If she does want to stay, she doesn't really fit into his world, the galaxy at large, as a person in her own right. She has to either hide or be marked as cargo or be marked as a pet or whatever. She doesn't get to be a person to the greater galaxy. And he also is starting to feel like he's being selfish for not bringing her back to Earth. Like even though it would be really dangerous for him and his crew, he's like starting to rethink maybe he should have given her that option anyways. And he's also been like hoping that she'd give him some sort of sign that she wants to be with him too. And he hasn't seen one. Because while he's flirty with her, it is like a very like surface level bartender flirty level like I'm flirting with you for tips or I'm teasing you like a friend not like uh, at any level where it's obvious he intends to progress he wants her to make that step because he wants her to feel she has a choice in the matter he wants her to feel the feels yeah he doesn't want her to be with him because she feels like she has not out of obligation and he hasn't had any sign from her because she's been off dealing with her own mental shit. <laughs> Am I being brainwashed into liking this guy or do I actually do? <laughs> so he ends up going and talking to Tarek too. Tarek, therapist. <laughs> or not yet couples therapist. And Tarek, having no confidentiality whatsoever, <laughs> tells Kivian that he did indeed talk to Fran about <laughs> Kivian. At least he's honest. <laughs> and that she was worried about the feelings she was developing. This makes Kivian super happy. And little Kivian, too. All the Kivians are happy. <laughs> yeah, he's raring to go. And Tarek's like, dude, you need to play it smooth. And like Kivian's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'll be smooth. I'll be I'm smooth. totally cool. <laughs> I can so be cool. It's so cool. Pretty it's cool, okay. Man, really cool. It, it was kind of cute. So he goes looking for Fran because he wants to have a conversation with her about their relationship i guess or lack thereof <laughs> should they have one he says yes we should he finds fran with another of the crew members alavis alavis um who is showing her how to take care of the blasters and initially kivian has like this possessive hey you're not supposed to be doing that that's not safe you know he's jealous and worried or whatever fran's like excuse you very much i'll do whatever the fuck i want Alavis is like, um, okay, well, it's really tense here, so I'm leaving. Bye. I'm sensing the mood could be murderous, so excuse me. <laughs> I, I do not want to be present for this conversation. <laughs> Fran explains that she had asked for a job so that she would feel useful and so that the crew would be more inclined to keep her around. And Kivian tries to reassure her, says... It's okay, you don't have to have a job, but if you want to, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. He starts acting like, well, he's going to pick up where where they left off with the blaster training, but he's like really flirty about it, you know, laying down really heavy innuendos about firing, pointing, and triggering. and <laughs> Yeah, and she's picking up what he's putting down. She's flirting back, and so things start getting a little heated, and... You think they're going to get to kiss, and then all of a sudden, oops, they're interrupted because the Uli ship has finally showed up. This is what they've been waiting for these three weeks, is for the Ulis to find them and try to get revenge so that they can pirate <laughs> them even more. More pirating. <laughs> Essentially, the crew's getting all geared up and ready to board the Uli ship and Fran's following Kivian and she's like, um, I don't want to be left by myself on this ship. This is bad. I don't like this. I don't know. Like, are you guys going to be safe? I'm worried about you. This is Kivian's like, just go hang out in our room until this is all over. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We do this all the time, whatever. And Fran doesn't like it. She doesn't want to. And I think this is a point where the translator issue could have come up again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't. Kivin and the crew board the ship, leaving Fran behind. Fran has completely disregarded Kivian's quote, order to go hide, finds a heavy vase <laughs> and brings it back to wait by the hatch 
just in case, you know, she's going to bean whoever over the head with it, I guess. I'm not sure how solid that plan was, but I'm glad she came up with something. She tried. She did. She tried. Why didn't they give her a blaster? I don't. I I am glad that she didn't get to go with them. Since she legit doesn't know how to do that, sometimes that irritates me in stories. It's like, yeah. no, no, she really would be a liability because she doesn't know. Not that if she was trained, yeah. that would be one thing, but she isn't. <laughs> so leaving her with a blaster would make way more sense than having her just find some random vase. This is how I will defend myself. At least in the meantime, she could, like, be like that Home Alone kid and just, like, booby trap fucking everything. <laughs> I mean, she tried, and to be fair, Kivian expected her to go hide. He didn't expect her to totally disregard what he said. Still, she could hide with a blaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know, preaching to the choir, I know. <laughs> they were with the blasters. Anyways... She's freaking out the whole time they're gone. She's realizing she's in love with Kivian because her brain is going to that place like, well, what if he doesn't come back? What if he gets hurt or killed and I never see him again? Oh my goodness. I think she asks the computer to tell her how many life forms are on the other ship and the computer says four. She starts freaking out even harder because, well, there's four crew and then however many other aliens... How can there be only four people alive on the ship? And my guy's not Which is hurt. reasonable. She's preparing for the worst. And when the hatch opens, it surprises her and she swings the vase and hits them. <laughs> but it turns out it was Kivian. He's like, what the fuck? Serves it right for not leaving a blaster with her. <laughs> what did you get? I know. They ended up putting all the Uli's in stasis and then... Completely stripping their ship of anything valuable. <laughs> and then they program the ship to go to some dock somewhere. So they didn't kill them. They just kind of really fucked them over. Yes. Which keeps with, you know, the golden age of piracy, more or less. And then um, among the booty that they found, they discovered a communication about more human slaves. I guess the Uli was pissed because Fran was gone and he wanted a replacement. And Kivian has started to feel like he wants to rescue all the humans and then he wants to take them all home. And he wants to take Fran home because he's worried he can't keep her safe if she stays with him. He's in the place now where he's going to be selfless. (laughs) No, Fran, you can't stay with me. You are not safe. You must go back to your crappy day job on They talk and Fran is upset because she didn't get to go on the ship. How could they leave her alone and all that? Kivian says he didn't want to risk her. And she says, you don't get to decide that. He's all, well, fair enough. And then she kisses him and it's a good kiss. But then he pulls away and he tells her about the other slaves and he tells her his plan. We're going to go rescue the other humans. And then we're going to take you guys all back to Earth. And Fran is like, wait, are you trying to get rid of me? And he says, well, I'm not trying to get rid of you. I just want you to be safe. And I think you'll be safest on Earth, which he's not wrong. uh, He doesn't (laughs) know how safe Earth is, but yeah. (laughs) And she's like, but I don't want to go back to Earth now. I want to stay with you because I'm in love with you. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) And he loves her back, of course. And she's like, I want to be a pirate with you and stay with you. Pirate life for me. (laughs) I liked that for her, honestly. You know, she doesn't want to be some cosseted, pampered princess. She wants to (laughs) be a pirate and and do the piratey stuff. Not every girl wanted to be a princess. (laughs) And they let her, like, they train her up and she becomes a a member of the crew. Like a full-fledged member of the crew. Of course, before that happens, there's sexy times. Yes. But you gotta have the sexy. And the story ends where they're still planning to rescue the other humans. We have an epilogue where they visit Kivian's brother and his brother's family. His brother, like I said at the beginning, is mated to a human and they've just had a baby. You get like a bit of a comparison between the two lifestyles. The brother's wife or mate is living on a farm planet and the brother's given up his career to keep his mate and family safe. Meanwhile, Fran is like, no, I'm going to be a pirate. (laughs) 
And she is. And that's how it ends. Pirate life for her. How is the audiobook? So it was narrated by Holly Jackson and Mason Lloyd. And I felt like they did a really good job with the characters. Good narrating. And they had really good comedic timing and flair, which I think goes really well with Dixon's writing style. (laughs) Yeah, there were a lot of funny points in the book, for sure. Well, are you happy for their happy? I am happy for them. I think they're well suited, particularly because, you know, Fran is definitely embracing the pirate life and Kivian is okay with that. So that's good. What about you? Were you happy for their happy? Yeah, I'm happy for them too. I agree with your assessment. I like that. I It feels weird to use this language, but Kivian, quote, lets Fran yeah. make her own choices. <laughs> <laughs> Fran makes her own choices and Kivian doesn't oppose. And he's supportive of that. And she says she wants to be a pirate. And he's like, okay, well, good. That's great. Let's get you trained up so you can be an effective pirate and safe. Yes. Yeah, his response isn't let's let's hide you away on the ship. Don't worry, I will always be victorious. Right. And they even allude to her being a valuable member of the crew, pretending to be a pet, you know, being someone who is overlooked, and then she's able to do stuff under the radar. So she ends up being an asset, even. And the fact that Kivian is is willing to have her do that, I think he's even proud of her for it. He likes that in her. That's really cool. I really like that. And then the other thing, too, is that Kivian, he was willing to give it yeah. all up for her, too. He's like, you want to be a farmer like my brother? That's fine. Even though he didn't want to, he likes what he does. He wants to keep doing it. But he was willing to let her lead on this one what direction is our life together going to take and it ends up being the direction that he would have preferred anyways but the fact that he is willing to do either i think really good too yeah they're joining a life which is good and well done on that note let's rate them okay uh how do you rate fran i label fran as awesome she's got a feisty spirit i wish i had gotten more of a chance to see it sometimes but yeah i I enjoyed Fran. I thought she was fun. What about you? I also rate Fran awesome. I really enjoyed her. I like, I think as Kivian says, she's fierce. Yes. (laughs) But I I feel like that's true. You know, she goes through a lot and she doesn't have her spirit broken. She's rightfully, I think, suspicious at the beginning, but she's willing to trust. I think she sees the situation as like a... An opportunity for adventure, something that maybe she wouldn't have had, like maybe she wouldn't have had that possibility of that level of adventure, you know, back on Earth or whatever. And so I like that she she didn't mourn Earth too much. There are some books where that is important Mm. for the person to miss Earth or want to go back or whatever. But I think that it's very valid to have a character where they're taken from Earth and they're like, you know, actually my life sucked and this is much more interesting. (laughs) Yes. And I don't want to go back and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, I want to move forward from here. Yeah, she's she's very much living in the present. Yeah, she's that type of character. She's embracing it. I like that about her. It's admirable. How do you rate Kivian? I rated Kivian as awesome. He's fun. He's charismatic. He's charming. I didn't like that he liked to let her win, like with some of the games. And again, it's that whole like, he's giving her permission to do what she wants. <laughs> yeah. When I'm at my most generous, I sort of attribute that to like, well, he is a captain. So I guess he <laughs> sort of feels like he has to approve everything. But that does kind of great. But yeah, overall, you know, he was respectful and all of that. What about you? Yeah, I rate Kivian as awesome. I think he's a really fun hero. He has a really playful personality. I like his whole pirate persona, his idiot persona. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I like that he doesn't take himself too seriously. I like that he is proud of Fran. I think no matter what Fran chose, he would be proud of her and want to support her. And I like that about him. I like that he's all in. He's like, 
yeah, you're awesome no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. There, There is like still some issues with the power imbalance. And I think that the author does try to mitigate that, especially um, with the conversations that each character has with Tarek, especially. And then they discuss it with each other. And I think that that level of communication is good and everything. But there is still essentially that power imbalance that isn't resolved at the end of the book. Because how can it yeah. be? He's always going to be safer in that world than she is. Always. And she's always going to be reliant upon him for some level of safety. Yeah. As, as badass as she can be trained up to be and how awesome she is. I think that the world that she's in, it's difficult for her to reach that level of self-reliance where, okay, now I am truly equal. Yeah, because she's not viewed as being, well, for lack of a better word, human. She's not <laughs> right. viewed as being, I can't think of a better word, like... Person. Yeah, person. Personhood. Sentient. Like, she's not enough in and of herself in that society. Yeah. But as far as Kivian's concerned, she yes. is, and she always was. Yeah. And he he does his best to act that way and give her that dignity, even at the very beginning, you know, when he breaks her collar off and he's like, okay, well, crappy choice A or crappy <laughs> choice B? Yes, he tries. <laughs> <laughs> and he's aware of it. And, and honestly, I mean, sometimes that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, because it's not like he can change, was it the world, the universe, whatever? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can only fix so yes. much. <laughs> <laughs> what about any antagonists or villains in the story well there's of course the froggy dude and his baddies i felt he was mostly effective and that's largely because he comes back because so many times in unfortunately in some romances it's like oh there's there's the villain and then they're gone and and i didn't really feel like fran and kivian were antagonistic towards each other which sometimes you feel that... No, I don't think so. ...with romances. So no, I mean, it's Frog Dude. I felt he was, for the most part, effective. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you that the Uli, Uli guy was, was an effective villain. I think that his character was especially effective at the beginning when it helped us see how dire Fran's situation was initially. Yes. I agree with you that the fact that he came back... He wasn't just a one-off villain. And I mean, Kivian and the crew were able to defeat them fairly easily. Yeah. But that goes with the tone of the book, I would say. Even though this book has human trafficking in it, it's still pretty light. Yeah, no, I agree. As far as the tone. <laughs> so it made sense to me that they would be defeated fairly easily. But... I think he was a genuine threat. I mean, especially to Fran. Yes. Also, I think that, oh, what do you want to call it? The society <laughs> or whatever. The fact that there's this seedy underworld that has slavery and human trafficking and whatnot. I mean, that's definitely a villainous aspect of the story. But it also allows the story to exist. <laughs> I think that that could have been a little bit more effective, honestly. I think that the reality of how crappy it would be to be stuck on that space station with no backup, no one to help you in Fran's situation, I think that that was kind of not touched on as deeply as it could have been. Mm -hmm. Again, that wouldn't have been as in keeping with the tone of the story, which is a much more fun tone. But I think that there was maybe some room for a little bit more fear or dread as to what could possibly have happened to her. Yeah, I think that sometimes, especially with the alien romances, where there is that sort of capture element where, yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of times they need more of that, that feeling of isolation, but almost to an extreme. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're off in space, it's not like you could leave the ship. <laughs> you really stuck and there's no one to help you yeah and i mean even the whole point after they take off her translator well now she's really fucked yeah. like if she's abandoned you know either on purpose or accidentally or like you were saying <laughs> if the story was longer with uli coming back 
And if it didn't just happen to go yeah. so well, then yeah, things yeah. could be a bit more dire for our heroine. I think there was opportunity for the stakes to have been raised a bit. Yeah. How did you rate the book? I enjoyed it. I gave it a 3.5. What about you? I gave it a 4. I really liked it. I've read this book several times. I've read basically everything Ruby Dixon <laughs> has written. So one could say I'm a fan. Yay! But yeah, this particular one, I did want, I think, a little bit higher stakes. And it didn't have that oomph that would have put it at a 5. But it was very good. Well, did you feel romanced? Yeah, I did. I mean, who wouldn't feel romanced with Kivian? He is so (laughs) cute and funny and silly. Fran is so fun, too. And she she balances him out. I think that they have really good chemistry together. The sexy time scene didn't happen till nearly the very end. And so we had a good buildup of tension. And it was a pretty good burn, I would say, throughout most of the story. So, yeah. What about you? Did you feel romanced? I did not. Eh. But I did really enjoy it. It's a sweet story. Yes, it does have trafficking, like you said, but it is feel good otherwise, if that's (laughs) weird to say. Human trafficking aside, (laughs) it is a feel good story. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. It's just like, well, it really was like, because when she gets on the ship... You know, I mean, yes, she still has things to work through, but she's in a very safe environment there. Yes. She's allowed to feel her feels (laughs) and question her questioning things. And I'm being so articulate. It's amazing. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. (laughs) Well, what else have you been reading? I've just finished How Fascism Works by Jason Stanley. (laughs) And it's, it's, you know, the politics of... Us and Them. It is well written, lots of info, covers different fascism movements in different countries. And so it was written about 2016, 2017. So it's interesting to go back five years and kind of see, 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 see how far we've come. Comparisons. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, he does. He covers like a swath of time. Like he references, you know, ancient, ancient Greece and Plato and Socrates up till recent. So it's <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Guy did his homework. So I've, I've read that. Yes. And then I also just finished uh, Using Feho by Victoria Aveline. Another oh, pirate sci-fi story. It's got the sexy. It's got the soul crushing. It was fun. So Feho is <laughs> a merchant captain who goes apparently everywhere in the freaking galaxy except class four planets. And Vanessa, naturally, where does she need to go? A class four planet, which is Earth. Yay, conflict. (laughs) But it was really good. I liked it. So what about you? What have you been reading? (laughs) I recently finished A Soul to Keep by Opal Mm -hmm. Rain. It is a fantasy romance slash monster romance. Hmm. It takes place... Um, in a world where there are these creatures called Duskwalkers, and there are demons. Duskwalkers are kind of in like this weird place where they're not demons, but they're not necessarily good either. Our main character, Rhea, lives in a village that has made a deal with a Duskwalker that every 10 years for his protection... They will give him a bride. Hmm. And Rhea gets to be the bride this time. Her whole village shunned her because demons ate her family and she survived. And so they think something's wrong with her. Hmm. And she's lived a really sad, isolated life because of that. And so when she gets picked up by this Duskwalker, Orpheus, and travels with him back to his home, she's kind of okay with it okay you know (laughs) like she's not she's not as freaked out as she could be (laughs) because living at the village kind of sucked anyway (laughs) this could be a step up for me (laughs) yeah the author doesn't really i think use a lot of the lore but orpheus kind of looks like a wendigo he has a skull face and he has antlers and then the rest of him is like 
dark and furry and like bones are peeking out like his rib cage mm. you can see it and like his finger bones you can see them and stuff like that so he's really monstrous looking and he has glowing eyes that change color depending on how he feels mood eyes like mood rings. <laughs> yeah but orpheus he's he's basically a sad Aww. boy poor sad boy he is lonely he wants a friend you know, originally he did want a bride, but every bride dies or doesn't like him or doesn't want him and leaves and then ends up dying. He's kind of like realized, okay, well, I would settle for a companion. Like, I just want a buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we could have that level, I'd be good. Because <laughs> he's also lived a really isolated life in the Vale which is this magical wood where all these demons and such exist as well. You know, they fall in love, of course. One of the things I really liked about this story is that the author didn't really shy away from the monstrousness of the hero. One of the ways that Duskwalkers get smarter and become more human-like or more person-like, when they are, I don't know, created or born or whatever, they are very animalistic. Hmm. They're almost like a demon themselves. And they literally, in a sense, are what they eat. Like they gain the characteristics of what they eat. To be more intelligent, to be at the level that Orpheus is at, he's eaten a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it, it's kind of yeah, interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a first book in a series, but it's also a newer book. So there's not a second book yet. <gasps> oh no! You must be patient! <laughs> that sucks. I know. It's so sad. Hopefully the author writes quickly. Yes. <laughs> That's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify, or come find us on Twitter at RomanceMeCast. Speaking of Twitter, were you romanced by Fran and Kivian's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Elijah, an Amish story of crime and romance by Sylvia Price. Bye! Bye! <laughs> Don't touch the cord. <laughs> I didn't this whole time. You were I very good. <laughs> there was actually a point when my finger started I wanted to tap the USB for some reason. And I was like, no! <laughs> Bad me! <meme. laughs>